Alex Simmons, this is Chris Ryan calling up. Are you ready to tell the damn story? I am so ready to tell the damn story because we haven't been telling it together for two whole two whole recordings, two whole shows. It's been solo, up and down. So yes, I'm happy to be back with you. It's good to hear you in good voice. Yes, uh, there I am. And I, I have to say, last week's episode uh, from the New York Comic Con was a fascinating uh, discussion. Uh, those are some great guests, and uh, down the line, I'd love to try and bring them on one on one at a time. I think that they were fantastic. It was it was both fortuitous and amazing for me because I I know Travis. Uh, for those of you who saw the episode or listened to the episode, you'll know what I'm talking about. But I I, I know Travis Langley because I've worked with him recently uh, on the Black Panther Psychology Book Project. Um, but I met the others in San Diego a few months ago, just very briefly. And then here we all were at near Comic-Con and we agreed to have breakfast together that morning. I said, you know, this is such a great group. And we're talking about such interesting things. I said, can, can I get you on the podcast? And they went, sure. And then we're trying to figure out what is it? Let's just do it together. So we went to the uh, one of the uh, professional lounge rooms in the Javits Center and sat down at the table and just did it. And it, it just, I was, was, I was discovering things as it was going, so it was great. You know, it, 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 it's the goal that we have, I think, for every episode, to have uh, a real conversation, you know, and we have an idea each time, but we just kind of let it flow. And that conversation really, not only did it flow well, but uh, it went to some deep places and it was fantastic. Yes. Um, Yes, and I think, and they at least two of them said yes, they would come back. So absolutely, we'll do that. Right, we'll give it a shot. That's something to look forward to, ladies and gentlemen. But about today, you know, okay. uh, I was thinking, and I, I pitched this idea to uh, Alexa Hente right here, that um, every writer of any success will advise, among other things, that you have to read constantly and read a wide variety and all that. And I thought we would have a conversation about reading and, and when we got hooked and, and what we read then and what we read now. And, you know, life is more busy, but we still seem to get some time in to read and all that. And to do this and to do it justice, I thought maybe possibly we could have a, a special guest star and, and this uh, guest to is help special. us in this area because there are two people who constantly impress me with their reading. One is my friend Roger Ross, who has, in our lifetime, has assigned me more books to read than all my professors combined. Mm. Um, and he still reads like five or ten to books to every one that I read. And the other person reads at least three or four or five books to every one of mine. And she reads so widely. And, uh, I mean, when we were first hanging out and I was trying to figure out, you know, how to get her to go out with me and that kind of stuff. Oh, trying to impress her at that time, huh? <laughs> she, it was a long time ago. She was reading the Russian authors for fun. And she has still uh, always that... that interest and curiosity so ladies and gentlemen very rare appearance of the goddess herself mm. lifelong reader pre-k teacher 
now a library assistant and renewed book addict. Please say a quick hello. There she is. Oh, she's driving. Oh, God, it's Tina Ryan. Hi, Tina. Hello. Hey, Tina. All right, so um, I think we should do a, a round, like a round table, each of us, you know? So I wanted to ask, let's start with T. While she's, she's driving and listening to GPS and going to be interviewed now at the same time. Yes. She seems to be dodging other cars, too, I'm that's thinking. She's right. like, you know. That's why we call goddess. And we're going to have some uh, Halloweenish cemetery in the background. Very nice. Uh, so, T, when did you become a reader? I probably the high school, high school age, I think, I started becoming a reader. And I think... Uh, one of the first books that got me hooked were the Carlos Castaneda books. So I think that's when I really started reading for pleasure and not just for school. And when I, I know when we first uh, were dating or going out or whatever, you recommended a few books. You recommended The Master and Margarita. Yes. Well, I forget the Russian author. Mikhail Bukov, uh, something like that. Still and one of my favorite books. Why Why did that book catch your imagination? How did you find out about that book? I remember reading about it in an article, I think, in Rolling Stone, that um, the Rolling Stone, Symphony for the Devil, based that song um, after reading sorry, after reading that book. So I, that was, you know, the Stones were my favorite group, and I was like, I have to read this book. So I picked it up and just loved it. I've read it like ten times at least. What's it about? There you go, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> the Rolling Stones yes. support reading. <laughs> you never thought you'd hear that sentence. What's the book about, briefly? Uh, it's about um, Russia in, I would say, the 1920s or something like that. And it's about um, the devil coming in a, a, a Russian guy form and causing havoc and mm. it's just wild it's like a, a cat that talks it's a a, a a russian guy that uh converts a woman into like a witch and she flies it sounds crazy but it's really fun well it's, it's a stone man what do you expect <laughs> yeah <laughs> now uh you can get me for a second so uh alex how about you when did you uh, become a reader? Um, probably like many people in our particular field, or at least in the field that I spend more time in, um, I started out as a very young child reading comic books. That was that was my big thing. Intermingled with um, the Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew, that kind of thing. Uh, and it was funny because I, I would read comic books constantly, but you couldn't get me near the library for like two or three months. And then suddenly I'd go to the library and I'd grab some adventure books or some mystery books. And it didn't have to be any particular series. I would just grab a book that, you know, it sounded interesting. The plot sounded interesting. And I'd read three or four books in a month. And then you couldn't get me to the library again for another two or three months. I never understood that pattern. That was but, weird. Yeah, comics and <laughs> mystery and adventure, uh, you know, exploring the world. Those things fascinated me when I was very young. So I would read about them. I, uh, I, my older brother used to bring home uh, tales, 
tells us to suspense with Captain America and Iron Man and stuff like that. So he would buy those for me. Um, also, I was a library person. But um, I, it's a, a blast from the past for the both of you and everyone out there. Uh, I also credit, remember the Scholastic Book Club or whatever it was? Oh, it yeah. Little, and you'd buy a book for a dollar or something like yeah. that. And then it would show up. I, it, man, any, I would, anything would fascinate me, you know, from, uh, uh, once in a while I'd get some adventure stuff, but you get a lot of that out of the library, both in school and, and the public library. But I remember buying, uh, dynamite on ice, the Bobby Orr story. Now I didn't watch hockey. I, you know, we, we played roller hockey a little bit or, 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 or like street hockey, uh, in, in the neighborhood, but you know, people would call out names, oh, Rod Jobert and all this stuff. It was the cover of that book, and I read mm. it, you know, fascinated by this guy, Bobby Orr, but I never really remember ever seeing him play, you know. So it was just whatever would catch my imagination, I would jump into. And when I was by the time I was 12, I was sneaking my pop's books, which were, you know. Uh, like the action books, like, you know, Force 12 from Navarone or the Guns of Navarone. Mm -hmm. uh, that was it, the Guns of Navarone. And I had mentioned before, um, uh, he had a book about the mafia uh, that I should not have been reading at that young age. <laughs> uh, but, you know, and then you'd, you know, I was the fourth out of five. So there were books that other people had to read for assignments. That's how I first learned about the Lord of the Rings. Black Court uh, Jungle, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. yeah. All that yeah. stuff. I read uh, I read a book written by Fran Tarkenton, who was the quarterback for the Giants, the Vikings, and I, it was way over my head. It was about scrambling and passing and, you know, the intricacies of football. I just, you know, I knew him from both those teams and from a color by numbers set. That's how young I was. Uh, <laughs> there was one of Fran Tarkenton. So. <laughs> But, but the thing here, you're saying it grabbed your attention. Something about it, the cover, the name, yeah. Yeah. something said, grab this, and you read. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's that's for a lot of us. Uh, that's what happens. But um, let's jump to these days, right? Uh, I'm going to go as T, and then we'll, we'll round it out. Okay. So, T, once you're retired from uh, teaching and got this dream gig of yours. We have uh, a shot of library, library assistant. You're surrounded by books now. Right. And one of the things I noticed is that a lot of those books come home with you. Yes. <laughs> so can you talk about that phenomenon? Well, I think now that I work in the library and I uh, am, ex you know, see all the books and I see the bestsellers and every week one of my jobs as a librarian is to go over the bestseller lists and see which ones we have in the library and which ones we don't. Um, so I always read the synopsis and anyone that catches my attention, you know, I get. So now, you know, every um, bestseller that comes out and if we have it at the library, I kind of get an in because I get to have the first one to read it. So that's that. why I'm reading so much more and all different kinds, not just like what I used to read, but uh, all different authors and uh, discovering new authors and stuff. So it's been fun. What kind of genres do you you seem to swing? I know you say you do different kinds, but I what? Like, 
I think I like um, historical fiction, meaning like uh, there are a couple of authors like Beatrice Williams and Fiona Davis that write like, let's say, 1920s New York. And I just find that fascinating because I kind of feel when I'm reading that I'm in the 1920s New York, what it was like. And I just love mm. that. Um, and also, I, there's a lot of authors that are uh, writing about uh, World War II um, from the Ooh. point of view of women. So like women during the World War, what they did, what they felt. And I just I love all that kind of stuff. Have you read I'm sorry. Have you read anything by Susan O'Neill? No, I have not. I will. I will get. Yes, because she she's written several mysteries about a woman who is in the British military during World War II. Oh, I would love that. Okay. Yes. Okay. I'll make sure that you get. Uh, I'll send you some info on her. Okay. Thank you. I will definitely look at that. I love all that stuff. Yes. Yeah, so that's what I've been reading uh, mostly. That kind of. Uh, Genre. I'm not. I'm not really into, um, you know, crime fiction and that's fantasy. my job. I, <laughs> or <laughs> fantasy. You know, not not right now. Used to okay. Be. Oh, I used to be. Yeah, but I guess now I'm kind of just more towards that. I've started to read more nonfiction, like biographies. You know, um, Michelle Obama's book and Educated by Tara Westover, which is an excellent book. So I kind of like that stuff too. Yeah, by the way, I pronounced her name wrong. It's Susan McNeil. McNeil. Okay, I will look. Yeah, yeah but I'll, I'll send you the information. Oh, thank you. Alex, how about you? What do you, uh, what do you read today? Well, before, before, I, before I jump on what I read today, I will say that the thing that pushed me, because we're talking about writers who read and all that kind of stuff, uh, but reading being so important, the writer who, who sort of gave me that last gentle shove into really taking on writing uh, was Ray Bradbury. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah, and I had read some of his stuff, you know, earlier in my life, but in my tw my 20s, uh, I picked up something wicked this way comes, and for whatever reason, the first page, the, the 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 lines on the first page, just so impacted on me at that point that I remember saying to myself before I'd even gotten through the first chapter, this is how I want to write, yeah. this this is it, this is what I want to be able to do one day, and. Years later, I got to meet him and thank him for inspiring me to pursue that. But, you know, these days, I it's funny, I read a lot of different things. I'm still much, you know, very much a mystery buff, but I will sometimes pick up a, an autobiography. Um, as a matter of fact, a young man who I knew through working with Archie, because I, I've written for Archie, and he used to work in their offices in their production department, same as um, oh, uh, Stephen Scott, and he just co-wrote with George Takai, They Call Us Enemy. And it's about the Japanese internment camps in the United States in the 40s. So I'm reading that. Uh, I also read well, because... So Takai had, had done the play with that, and now he's doing the book. That's good. That's good. Well, it's a graphic novel. So it's, it's okay, out of a graphic novel. It's, it's George Takai, Scott, uh, Stephen Scott, and I believe the artist's name is Eisinger. Um, Justin Eisinger. Yeah. So it's really, it's really good. It's great. Of course, I, I've read a number of graphic novels. But I'm also reading... Beyond novels and mysteries and so forth, I'm also reading marketing and uh, books because you know you and I both uh, have done. Got to educate publishing. yourself. Got to educate. Right. You've got you've got to understand. You know, as much as I may feel I'm more of an artist and a business person, I'm doing business, so I've got to understand as best I can to the best of my abilities how marketing and business and distribution and things work. So I'm reading things like online marketing and um, pay. Oh God, was it? Uh, 
uh, uh, Smart Passive Income, and there's a, there's a number of other books that I've been picking up. And then for inspiration, hang on here, I gotta pull it out so I say the cover title right. Atomic Habits, which is written by James Clear, and it's all about identifying those little micro habits that you have that either get in your way or help you move forward and trying to filter the, the negative out or the, or the parts that are holding you back and improving on the, the positive habits that help move you forward. Yeah. And so a lot of science involved in that as well. So I'm enjoying that as well. That's cool. Now, just so uh, you know, don't usually wear suit and tie on yeah, Saturday. We're cool recording today. on Saturday. But we are actually on our way to a wedding. So we have a, we're in the parking lot at the wedding. We've got two minutes before we have to go into the church. Um, so I'll add in my two cents and then we'll, we'll see what we can do about wrapping up. But, um, for me, it's, uh, both, I read in, in, in my genre to see what others are doing and to, to see what, what's out there with the markets. You know, um, Rusty Barnes has a publication he puts out called tough, which is, I'd love to be in that book. That's a, that's a great collection. If you haven't seen it and you like crime stories, Rusty Barnes, uh, you can find him, or you can look for Tough. It's available on Amazon. It's I like the two names. Volumes out. Two volumes of really uh, fast-paced, uh, hard, hard-edged crime. Um, of course, Hillary Queen, Mystery Magazine. I've been reading uh, uh, Alfred Hitchcock to see, you know, what other authors are doing. You can, I can, knock out six, eight, ten uh, authors reading an issue, and then really see oh, there's all these different styles. Um, Still dip into the graphic novels once in a while. Love. Um, I also when I when I'm meeting and and on panels with other authors, uh, I find myself picking up some of their work. Uh, Charles is uh, you know Charles um, uh, Salzburg, I think is how you pronounce it. Yeah. yeah, I'm reading Second Story Man now, um, and then if, there's always like you said, business books and. Uh, writing the, in the business of writing and that kind of stuff, but it just, whatever, you know, uh, I, I just asked T to, to look to see if the libraries had a book called Southern Gods. I was listening to Cosmic Shenanigans, which is a podcast, and this professor will talk about uh, different books, and that book had a lot to do with the retelling of the Yellow God myth. And uh, I'm not usually uh, Lovecraftian in my reading or my writing, but the ideas behind that really fascinated me. So we went mm. from the podcast to chasing that book down. And that's what you have to do. Just always feed your head, feed your head, feed your right. you know, and then and, and that nourishes the writing and all that. Uh, we could probably talk for hours on this, yes. but and, and we will. wedding bells are about to ring, Alex. Yes, yes, you should run in there. But you know what? Catch up with me later. All right, we will. And now we continue with part two of today's Tell the Damn Story. Alex Simmons, we're <laughs> back for part two. Are you ready to tell more of the story? My goodness, my goodness, my goodness. You are just on the move, on the move. And your tie is in oh the exact God. same place. It's like three well, hours later. <laughs> it is and it isn't. <laughs> so here's the crazy thing that we're doing today. So... You know, it doesn't rain, but it pours. We go months and months without, like, uh, an event that we have to absolutely have to be there. You know, things that we want to go to, but no things that we absolutely have to be there. 
Right. So um, around Christmas, we bought tickets to see Craig Ferguson, right? No idea uh, who that a, is. He's a comedian, used to have a late night show. He's really fun. We, we enjoy him a lot. Mm -hmm. And then we got a wedding invitation. For the same and day? Same day. And then, <laughs> wait a second, we got an invitation to a retirement party for Cindy Ortiz, the woman. She's the second person on the planet who reads my stuff. She does uh, proofreading and uh, editing for for all the, all the stuff that I write. So... We, a couple of other things show up. We wound up being like seven things we would have wanted to go to today, but we put up we put up the Craig Ferguson for StubHub, made that sacrifice. But we had to go to the wedding, blood wedding, family wedding, got to be there, and we had to have some kind of presence, show our love to Cindy. So here's what we did. <laughs> as insane as it is, we went to the wedding. Beautiful wedding. Uh, uh, one, I guess you'd say my cousin, Vinny, right? It's my cousin, Vinny. Hey, how you doing? Yeah. Uh, um, two youths. Yeah. Yeah, two youths. Uh, no, this really nice guy, great actor, uh, now a teacher. Um, he was in, uh, Zombies of New Milford, the movie oh. that I someday will finish and, uh, will release on YouTube to much jocularity. Um, oh, only sports minded people like beautiful, it? Beautiful, beautiful wife who has taken pity on him and said yes i'll take care of you and be with you for your whole life wonderful so we went to that ceremony and just as it was ending we snuck out the back jack jumped in the car drove a half an hour got to the place where cindy's retirement party was it was a surprise party so we waited for her to show up she looked absolutely stunning she was absolutely stunned mm. and you know we waited there had time to get hello and hugs and kisses. And then when she said hello to everybody, we explained to her, listen, <laughs> we're not really here. Yeah. <laughs> we're here because we love you, but we're actually at a wedding. So we kissed her. We said, you know, and all that stuff. And we said, well, we'll see you soon. And we jumped out of the party and we're back in the car and we're running back to the reception, hoping nobody noticed. And we'll oh. say could be could be family strife. Could be a good day. We don't know. There's a line. I can show That's you who is the hero of the day. I will show you who the hero of the day. She is right there. The Bobby. lovely and talented goddess of all, the Tina Ryan person who is still driving like she's in a chase scene. I God love it. God bless her. She does all the driving, so you know, so we can record uh, podcasts. Thank you, Tina. Thank you, goddess. Bye. And it gives us a great opportunity. Um, the earlier part of this, we talked about uh, reading and all that. And we kind of got our background of what we, how we got into reading and what we read now. What I'd love to talk about, if it's good with you, is I'd love to talk about how it nourishes us. Mm. Why we have such a relationship. All three of us. We read. Might be different stuff, but it calls to us. It, it There's something that it does for us. And in class, I always talk about the psychological, emotional, and intellectual um, uh, uh, benefits that stories have always offered humanity. From before there was 
writing before there was a, an alphabet, you know, mm-hmm. back, you know, we're not even talking just cave paintings, but, you know, the old wise storyteller around the fire, you know, it is part of our DNA. But personally, what is it that, why do we need it so much? What does it do for us? Um, see, are you ready for that? Do you want to go first, second, or okay. third? You ready? Uh, first. Uh, look at that. She said, okay, she was ready. There's a Good reason we call her the goddess. Okay, no pictures. We're not taking any pictures of you. Go ahead. So That's right. I can't see you at all. Okay. <laughs> I don't believe you, but I have my uh, eyes closed. <laughs> I think I believe because it it takes me out of my life and puts me in someone else's life. Hey, uh, wait a minute. What's wrong with your life? You don't love right. me. What's the matter? All right. So I get to experience something I wouldn't normally experience, like you know. Um, living in a different place or being a different person or going through different things. Um, so that's why I like to read. And then also, um, depending on the book too, you know, it, it might, it makes me feel good, let's say about myself, or if I'm going through something and this other person that I'm reading about is going through the same thing, it kind of, um, you know, makes me feel like, hey, I'm not alone. And yes. that's sometimes it's yes. so, like a bond. bond. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's the main reason why I. That's I beautiful. Read. I agree with what Tina says, and and what I tell the uh, my my students is that it is it is that that all important message of you are not alone, you know, and that we all go through these things. Um, especially the, the latest generation coming up now, the, uh, for lack of a better term, the iPhone generation, who, you know, that's an isolation, a li- isolating experience when most of your communication is through that phone, you know? To, it's easy for them to think there is no one else there or, or that no one else quite understands what they're doing that's you know Mm. that's why i'm always encouraging them to read read and they think that's you know one one kid said to me we don't read anymore mr ryan and i was like you know what everyone else is going to take your jobs they're reading (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know a little little tough love for you kids you know the, (laughs) the reality here too is you know as you know i one of the things i do is i also teach uh film uh cinema studies and screenwriting at the New York Film Academy. And I'm glad I do that for a number of reasons that are very, you know, nourishing to me on certain levels. But the another benefit is that I'm working with, with people, many of them young people, anywhere from, say, 15 to, to 30, um, who come from all over the world and from different types of backgrounds all over the world. And I have probably run into two-thirds of them who feel very much so that there is a communication gap because they, you know, and they'll they'll do films about the the problems with dating or the problems with making friends in a new situation or the problems with somehow communicating with your parents or your, your, your peers or your boss or because nobody's talking to anybody, you know, and, and from a writer's standpoint, not only is that remarkable to hear, but you also understand, and, and this has been talked about for years, and I know it makes you sound like an old fuddy-duddy, but that's too damn bad. Um, 
if you have a limited number of characters and words that you use in order to communicate through cell phones and emails, then you have a limited number of words to use in a conversation. God forbid you get caught in one. And I think that, you know, the kids that that understand that are trying to talk more. You know, I'm not talking about having yeah. you know, a, an Oxford education. I'm simply saying find more words that help you communicate your feelings so that you don't feel like your feelings are trapped and nobody understands them. And I think that reading sometimes not only helps you find people you can, or characters who are going through something you feel that connection to, but it also, as Tina was saying, it expands your view of the world. And that's, especially now, most people should not have a myopic view of the world. It's too, we're too close, we're too connected, it's so damn big, really need to be looking at a landscape and and not a pin. That's just and, my feeling about that. And I, I think they'll get there, you know, um, a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them. Um, but one of the things I want to point out is that what's strange is that what we're talking about, our calling to reading, our habit of reading, is also an isolated experience. You know, and yet it's not, you know, we read the book by ourselves, but you become a part of a bigger community. And perhaps the new generation, you know, maybe they're saying, well, we're doing that online. But if you're generating the content or if the content that you're generating or or watching or looking or consuming is bite-sized morsels, it's less challenging. It's hors d'oeuvres instead of the full meal. In some cases, and again, I'm I'm making a general statement, but I don't believe that life is all generalizations. Um, I do do feel that, again, a lot of people I, I meet with, the younger people that I meet with and work with, they do have a broader view, and I, I think it's 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 more about. You're right. When you read a book by yourself, there is that moment or that time of isolation. But, for instance, I belong to a, a, um, you know a, a mystery book club, yep. and I don't mean I buy mystery books from this online. I mean that we get together, we read the same book, we get together and we discuss it. You know, you can do that. You and I, for instance, will talk about different books that we've read and different experiences we've had. And we find words to help each other understand what those experiences are like. You know, I didn't grow up the way you did. You didn't grow up the way I did. But you and I have talked about things that have brought us closer together because either there was some similarity or I'm going, wow, I didn't know you went through that. And then I'm getting a better understanding of you. And when you when you communicate with more people, you get a better sense of where you might find a common ground. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. As writers, you know, and I say this to my students, I know you do as well. We we can. Yes, we absolutely can narrow in on a genre and a particular storyline and maybe a series or a couple of characters that we always want to write. We always want to tell stories about just that. That's fine. But the way I see it, even if, for instance, you're doing something about small town with the, the, the typical kind of townspeople, blah, 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 or you're doing something that's uh, what's called street you know, novel, your urban environment, not every person living in that town who's female is identical in personality. Of course. Or, right, so the more you 
check it out, the more you open to hearing and feeling what's going on, the more you learn about that environment, the richer your stories are, no matter what the genre or the True. subject matter. And, and we, we want to veer away from being the geezers who are saying, get off of my lawn, you know? Um, <laughs> there may be some viewers who are um, of the iPhone generation, and they oh, may sure have there are. a really different view. And let us say now, there's a comment section below, school us, please. <laughs> we would love to hear that view, you know? Um, but let's talk, let's go back to reading and let's talk about how it affects or how it nourishes your life, okay? Now, before you and I start getting off on how it nourishes the writing and all that stuff, we're going to go to the goddess for a minute, okay? Oh, okay. She's screeching around the corners? Yeah, there she, she is. is. <laughs> she is definitely at a high-speed chase. There she is. Yep. All right. <laughs> so, uh, French Connection. Yes. Popeye Doyle. Um, <laughs> olive oil, yes, sir. Had, olive oil is completely... I never saw her drive. Popeye <laughs> Doyle for the French Connection, a whole different thing. Um, so... What do, what do you get out of reading that uh, generates an energy for your life? Um, I think it just um, gives me new experiences, you know. Um, How does that um, accent your own experience? Well, I guess, um, it, 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 you know enhances whatever experiences I might have. Um, but well, it just, you know, it just broadens my view of life, you know, and and I think that's important, you know, because mm. um, you can't, you know, I, I know I don't travel a lot and stuff, but when I read, I feel like I do. I see all these different places. Oh, um, that's what's keeping you off the plane. No, no more not. books for you. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I just find reading calming. Like, if I sit and read it, it, it calms so, me. So it's an antidote for the glory that is me? Absolutely. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> okay, Nick and Nora. Yes. <laughs> you know, I, I will admit that's one of the things the, the poor girl is into. A, you see it, she's plowing through chapters in real love. And I will stop her to show her a baby picture yes. or uh i'll tell her a dad joke you know really terrible dad joke, which is just unforgivable and if someone did that to me i i i would be so pissed but the grace and dignity and generosity of the goddess she just oh that's nice and plus the the 28 years of pre-k experience she knows how to that very oh, that's very nice. You should put it on the fridge and then back to the book. <laughs> Tina, Tina, yeah. um, how did your reading so much influence, affect, or support, or how did you even use it when you were teaching younger children? What I was reading novels for myself or reading to them to or? the kids or gee, you have so many possibilities there. Well, I mean, I think, you know, reading to the kids, all right, 
<laughs> Did you see her not have a hand on I the wheel? Did you see that? Wheel. She was driving with an elbow on the wheel. I, I, I really see a thing. right I, now. I this may be the last podcast. I know nothing. Tina, go ahead. <laughs> I Reading to the kids, um, I thought was so important and enjoyable because, you know, these were little kids. So they didn't know a lot of stuff. So being able to introduce them to new language and... Um, you know, things that they might not have experienced or people that they might not have ever met. And just to see, because at that age, they're so excited about everything. Mm. Um, and to get their reaction to it. This is a pre-K it, age, yes, right? Yes, yes. Um, I was just so, in, I mean, not only did I enjoy it, but it's just so important for them to, you know, start learning about language and how it's used. And then also, you know, you, you tie it into their experiences so you know if i read a book about someone that had a puppy well hey you got a puppy what's your experience you know or something more serious where maybe there's a book that i read about you know a parent leaving or or you know a grandparent dying because they have books about all that mm -hmm. they were able to um relate to it and to get out their feelings and i think it helped them through that Good. Can I one more question. One more question for her. I, I know you have. No, no, I want to ask her a question about that, but you go ahead. Yeah. Um, you were a teacher for how long? Because that leads into my question. Uh, 33 years. Okay. So did you ever experience any of your earlier students coming back at some point when they were older and say anything about how you're reading to them or anything that like that? affected them? Um, I, I don't know, particularly reading to them. I think they, a lot of them came back and just um, talked about the whole experience of being in class, in my class, and the way we did things and how I um, talked to them and stuff. It was always very positive and it always um, gave them a good a good feeling about school and continuing with school i used to get a lot of feedback from parents that maybe you know when the kids like i had trouble with one kid he just had a difficult time in school and i would always sit him next to me when we were reading and instead of getting angry with him i really tried to calm him we talked to him talked to the parent and the mother is still in touch with me just saying he has changed so much from that kid and he Diego, by the way, he loves oh. school so much that he just graduated eighth grade and he wants to go into criminal justice and Whoa. she just thanks me or that, you know, that first experience in school as, as what's, what started all that. As if you a have a terrible experience your first year in school, it's hard to, to bounce back from that. I, I yeah. Feel. Yeah. Well, let me just say that Diego is my nemesis. <laughs> Diego gave her a little garden angel that she still has in her garden. Diego oh. showed up in a white suit and gave her a single red rose on Valentine's and Day. Poem. Wait, we're getting to that. And once he graduated and he was in another grade, he had to write a he had to write a poem about somebody. He wrote it about my wife. Now listen, I will tell you something that not many people know. But when I asked my wife for her hand in marriage, I wrote a long poem. And 
Where is that poem today? It's rolled up and it's in her night table. Where is Diego's poem? In a frame in the living room. Diego is my nemesis. All right. Now, I want to say one other thing and see if you can. That's right. You're laughing. You're laughing. He's in. Wow, what grade is he in now? High school. All right, he's getting. He's in high school. He's coming for her. He's coming for her, young stud. So, okay. Yeah. Well, that's your problem. Five, the last five or seven years of Tina's career, she taught an entire pre-K class each year of non-English speakers. Mm. And story time took on a whole different meaning, and I thought maybe we get her to talk about that. Ah, go for it. They were all <clears throat> Spanish-speaking. No, none of them spoke English. Um, <clears throat> I understand a lot of Spanish, and I can speak a little bit. But everything I did, I said in English. So all the stories that I read, everything was in English. And all of them, in all those years, every single student by June could speak perfect English. Bilingual by from, June of pre-K. That's just from uh, me talking to them in Spanish and reading to them in Spanish. No, no, not like, in Spanish. In English. I'm sorry. All right. I'm, I thought I almost got lost. Well, <laughs> you know, I got it. So you know, the goddess is interviewing and talking about all the pre-K experiences and all that stuff and driving. And she got a GPS in her ear. And occasionally driving with just an elbow, and all in all at once, all at once, this woman. And then you saw her wax poetic about Diego. So you know, that's all I'm saying. There's a little stress in the car. So I, I, I would say that we should just give the show to her. <laughs> She's Fantastic. got it all together. But you know, so, we, we again we're right. talking about reading and storytelling and creating and and receiving stories it is i i find it not only nourishing and bonding and 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 uh invigorating and inspiring and informative but i think it's also a little bit of of maintaining i guess the best word i could come up with is is maintaining some sort of cultural history because literally as as i look at it a lot of these characters they're our mythology they're they're the, the new gods, if you will, or they're, they're the characters that carry on. I haven't finished reading They Call Us the Enemy yet. Okay. But, you know, American Born Chinese and some of the other books that I've read right. that are biographical, you know, this is, this is not only sharing who you are, but it's also talking about a piece of our culture at that time. Um, I, you know, I constantly have to remind some students when they're talking about doing films or stories that involve social justice or racial strife, I say, let's look at the larger picture so that you can focus in on what you want to say regarding these particular moments of this incident. And oh, some yeah. kids are really amazed, but I didn't know that. I didn't hear about that in school. I didn't know. I said, well, you know, once again, you can go online and you can look up all the stats you want about sports and music and so forth, but you can also gather up information. There are also books. So, you know, do your own research and reading enables you to learn or look at something from multiple points of view so that you can then make, hopefully, an informed decision about something. 
and I and I find when writing, like especially uh, or most recently when we were writing the um, the blackjack um, trial by fire, trial by mm. ice. Mm. Uh, I had an I had an iPad next to me to Google this part of geography or that part of Nazi history. It's part of the job. It's part of the process, you know. So what we're saying, and, and for those who are reading and those who are um, aspiring to read, uh, to write, um, yeah, read what you love, and then read what you're curious about. Read what you don't know, and and once you start, all right, I'm going to write about this, whatever this is, you know. Uh, right now, I had to do the yesterday. I had to do a bunch of research on OxyContin and um, uh, addiction and uh, overdose and uh, emergency treatment for it. All of that was reading, 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 and then I interviewed my son because he's been studying that in grad school. So part of what you're saying is that we need to continue to nourish ourselves, that reading is a part of feeding. <laughs> and we'll see if we we'll put that on a T-shirt. But I agree with you that literally what reading does for me, whether it's you know fictional or non-fictional, autobiographical or uh, marketing or whatever, is it gives me more information. It gives me, it stimulates my thoughts and gives me uh, another way to look at a subject or a person or a situation uh, before I make any kind of decisions or before I go and explore it further. It gives me another point of view, and I think that's all very positive. How about you? Read early, read often, read constantly, read everything you can get your hands on, and then go and, and tell, tell the, the damn story. story. That's <laughs> right, my brother. Okay, Captain. Enjoy the rest of the day. Thank you so much. Love you, brother. Love you too, man. Take care. Bye. Bye, goddess.